You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Great to be with you. Timory here. We have an action-packed show. We'll be talking about false messaging and really some of the push in front of us surrounding the gender ideology issue. In fact, how it relates to cereal and children. We'll be talking about more on that a little bit later. We'll be discussing Kanye West and modesty. Have you heard that I guess in one of the later episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, him and Kim Kardashian get into a little bit of a conversation about modesty and this conversion that he's going through and his eyes are being opened. We'll be talking about faith and materialism later, so be sure not to miss it. Coming up, lots on the table surrounding David Delighton and truly one of the most historic pro-life trials that we will probably see for at least a couple more years here. So I really want to talk about cereal. It may sound kind of silly, but, you know, maybe I'm a little thankful right now for all those kids, junk food, sugary cereals that my mom wouldn't have. In fact, this weekend, my mom and sister were talking about, well, I never tried that cereal. Mom wouldn't let us have it. Uh, Maybe that's how some kids might feel with this new cereal. It's called All Together Cereal by Kellogg's. And it's actually in honor and donating money to the organization GLAAD. That's G-L-A-A-D. I talked about them a couple months ago. GLAAD is one of the organizations that has a major push for characters who identify as lesbian, gay, transgender, whatever they might be, for those characters to be represented in television and movies. They, in fact, have a quota for how many of these characters should be in each and every single show, episode, how many conversations and lines they must have in order to meet the GLAAD. GLAAD standards and receive the GLAAD award. I think the award this year, one of them went to Taylor Swift and she actually sang about GLAAD itself. And, you know, part of me wonders, is she just trying to get the award to get attention? I don't know. But this cereal is a combination of, I guess, a kid's dream of every single one of those junky cereals you can mention. I guess Frosted Flakes isn't that bad, some might say, but it has Fruit Loops, Rice Krispies, Raisin Bran, Frosted Mini Wheat, Corn Flakes. Let's just say that this cereal is confused and it's being put together in honor of the pro-LGBTQ movement and being anti-bullying advocacy based on the organization GLAAD that really represents and champions these organizations. So as I'm looking at it, you may see, okay, what's the big deal? It's just a cereal. Well, they plan on donating about $50,000 to GLAAD based on the proceeds of this cereal. In addition to that, here's the real problem. Have you thought about the fact that it's targeting children? That they're targeting specifically children to show we're the fun cereal, the exciting cereal, the colorful cereal. We're the happy group. Not having to do anything with the fact that they kind of hijacked the word gay. In fact, did you know that a lot of the current generations have no young people have no idea that the word gay means anything than um, a certain type of lifestyle for someone who experiences same sex attraction? I find it so fascinating that that's just where people are at, that that's what the movement of homosexuality stands for. 
And again, it's targeting children. It's not enough for them to be focusing on school libraries. It's not enough for them to have this rampant sexual agenda within not just high schools, but middle school and even elementary schools here in California. And we're hearing more and more about this across the nation that young people are being challenged to draw and coloring books about homosexual acts, that they're being challenged to uh, think outside of the box and in second grade learn the history about the transgender movement and have speakers come in. You know, we're hearing worldwide that young people, especially young girls, are being pressured in places such as the UK to come out as transgender, bisexual, cisgender. Uh, you, you have to come out of the closet as something. So even if you identify with your own biological sex and your emotions match, and your sexual attraction matches it. In middle school, young children are being really pushed to come out and show that type of identity. And it makes us ask the question, you know, where does our identity stand? What does it mean? This whole gender ideology, they call it an identity, but it's an ideology that now we're seeing Kellogg is pushing down our throats with false messaging. That it's fun, it's exciting, it's colorful, it's happy, it's anti-bullying, so you should buy this cereal. But it's just like a story we covered a couple weeks ago. I'll come back back to that in a second. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Great to be with you. A little bit later on, we'll be talking about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian as they throw it down over the topic of modesty. Not a topic I like to discuss very often, but we'll be coming up for that and more. So coming back to the cereal with Kellogg's, it's misleading. We talked about with Father Tim a couple weeks ago here on Trending, this story that was put out about two men who are quote unquote having a baby and a biological baby. But then the story comes out and one of them I think identifies as queer. The other is actually a woman who identifies as a man, but hadn't gone through all of the sex change procedures yet for what we call bottom surgery. She had only ever had top surgery to have her breasts removed. And, you know, just a heads up, you know, kind of colorful language here with regard to this mutilation in the body. But I was emphasizing that no matter what the articles say, no, two men are not having a baby. In fact, not not even a man is pregnant. Yet that's the misleading story that we're receiving. And so here's what's difficult because we're up against false messaging. And that false messaging is leaking its way into children's story time. It's leaking its way into Kellogg's and Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops, whatever you might have as your choice of food. But here's what's really interesting. Do you really want to eat a cereal that's Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, Rice Krispies, and Raisin Bran, Frosted Mini Wheats, and Corn Flakes all mixed together? Probably not, because it's going to become chaotic. And that's what a lot of these advertisements end up becoming. You may remember just a few years ago when I was working with Don Johnson, there was a story that came out about an airline and the airline was trying to be pro LGBTQ. And so they took two of the same side of a seatbelt for the airplane and said, everyone can click together. But the reality is, is that the safety of the passenger would not be enforced if we put two female heads of a seatbelt or two male heads of a seatbelt together, it would be unsafe. The only way you can make it work is if you were to try to kind of tie it around each other, uh, but it's not working according to its purpose. It's not working according to the beholder, right? The person who created it. 
And the same thing can be said with our body. So even when you're creating all these wonderful cereals and combining them together, it's chaos. When you throw an ad trying to support LGBTQ issues, it's chaos. Have you thought about that? There's a reason, for example, that even government websites up until about five to 10 years ago would actually list same-sex acts, sodomy, as problematic. Why? Because when you start to engage not only in same-sex acts, but also in some of the more oral engagement that a lot of young people are into today, you start to put different parts of the body in a realm to be more susceptible to sexually transmitted diseases, tearing. In fact, we see a huge increase in anal cancer because that's how people are engaging. Like just in case you don't get it, it does not work that way. And so you have to improvise. Yet again, I'm coming back to this idea of absolute chaos is being implemented through these advertisements that are false messaging, yet we're believing that a man is pregnant. Yet we're believing that we should buy this fun new cereal because LGBTQ issues have to do with bullying. This is where we're at. Yet we need to be stronger than respond, really responding to this messaging that's being pushed down our throats. Because let me tell you, I hear from people all the time. Well, did you hear that, you know, this advertisement came out? Did you hear that this textbook about history? Okay, we can't rewrite history and we can't just take one side and looking at this from the surface and say, oh, no big deal. I can just buy the cereal. It doesn't matter that it's, you know, donating $50,000 to a pro LGBTQ organization that is pushing to have, for example, a new Disney movie, a new superhero coming out that identifies as gay. This is where the problem stands. Again, they're targeting children to ultimately create a way of life that they believe is one of the ways of life and one of the options that is livable. But that's not how our bodies work. No, a man is not pregnant. If you didn't catch that episode a couple of weeks ago with Father Tim Grumbach, go check it out at radiotrending.com. Again, that's radiotrending.com. In fact, you can catch all episodes of Trending available there to you. Maybe you have a topic such as sexually transmitted diseases pornography, porn addiction, uh, difficulty within marriage, you can go to the search page on radiotrending.com and pick up any episode having to do with dating or whatever it might be. Your choice. There's so many topics that we discuss. Someone wrote into me the other day asking about marijuana. And I said, actually, we've talked about it a few times on the show. Just go type in and there you go. We've got a couple times. I think Father Tim and I spoke about it recently. You're listening to Trending. Thanks for being here with us. Another thing that stands out in this entire story is the struggle people are having really to find out, well, how do I respond to this? I'm surrounded by it in the culture. You know, here's another cereal. Okay, just don't buy the cereal, right? Um, Here's this a man or woman claiming to be a man who's saying that she, because it's really a woman, she is pregnant, but is trying to be misleading. Have conversations about how the reality is is that our biological reality is a fundamental part of who we are. If you didn't catch the episode about a month ago that I did with a constructive re- reconstructive surgeon, a plastic surgeon, it was a phenomenal episode. Dr. Lapper talks about what top surgery and what bottom surgery is. And let me tell you, it was absolutely chilling. And I heard from people who know this topic through and through, and they hadn't really gone that far to think about what was actually happening to a body that was manipulated to this point. 
Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Timmy here. I'm flying solo today. Father Tim Grumbach will be back in just a couple weeks. You may have caught our episode where we were talking about a man who is saying he's pregnant, but the reality is he isn't a man. It's really a woman. We were talking about that in the last segment. Now I want to dive into the topic of Kanye West. I have to say I was watching a video the other day by Michael Knowles, and I joined him in being very proud of the fact that I have never seen an episode of keeping up with the Kardashians. I just don't have time, but that family has been fascinating. They are absolute marketing geniuses. They have made nothing somehow become incredibly interesting. And I don't mean that they are nothing, but I mean that uh, what they have to say, what they have to talk about, they have become so popular in just setting a trend for a way of speaking even. It's interesting. I was listening to a voice coach recently and he was talking about how even just a certain type of accent coming out of Southern California can be linked back in part to some of the way that Kardashians speak and other people in Hollywood that have become very popular. So you may imitate the way they speak, but what do you think about the throwdown that Kanye West had with Kim Kardashian on a recent episode? I think that this is absolutely riveting. Uh, Michael Knowles was talking about it show the clip i'll go ahead i've actually posted it on my facebook if you want to head over to trending with timory on facebook but basically if you don't know kanye west has been going through this conversion he is convert has converted to christianity he is now reading the bible uh, you know he's saying things such as you know uh jesus king in fact that's the name of a new album that he put together uh, he's basically really changing his outlook on life. And maybe this is something that you yourself have gone through. You went through a conversion. You're starting to weed out some of the things in your life that you're just starting to see doesn't quite jive with Christianity. Your heart's starting to be convicted. Uh, some of the ways that you were living, the relationships you had, how you engage in those relationships you saw needed to change. But what's interesting, here's a show titled Keeping Up With The Kardashians and Suddenly, the conversation between Kanye and Kim changes to modesty. And so all of a sudden, the story opens up. I'm watching this clip, and there is Kim looking at Kanye. And you can tell she's a little triggered here. And she's saying, you're not into me wearing tight dresses. And Kanye responds, and he's saying, hey, look, you're my wife. It affects me. You know, the pictures. And he's basically asking, you know, what's the point of looking sexy? Who are you looking sexy for? And so she starts to throw back and forth with him. He mentions, you know, well, what's the purpose of the corset? And he calls it a form of underwear. And he said, yeah, it's hot, but who's it hot for? So he's looking at this issue of, wow, my wife looks really good, but who's looking at her? Because I'm seeing how I look at her. Suddenly he's looking around and seeing how he looks at other women. And he was recognizing that from a rapper's perspective, he thought that he had to show his girl off. He thought that she had to be that super sexy trophy wife type of person that was helping ultimately to sell her body for his image, for his rap. And he's saying, you know, this is what the other rappers were doing. That was my perspective. And he's kind of pointing to the fact that I thought this is what I had to do. But he's realizing, no, it's not. 
And now he's throwing this on Kim, who you can imagine it has to be so difficult. And I want to get to a key point here in a second that she says during the conversation that really stands out for anyone who's gone through a conversion, maybe is struggling through some of the teachings of the Catholic Church. Maybe it's modesty. Maybe it's a teaching having to do with contraception, whatever it might be. Kim looks back at him and says, well, you've made me this way. This is what you wanted. For those who are just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. We're talking about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Kanye is going through this major conversion. And Kim Kardashian is saying she's having a hard time keeping up. And so what's interesting is that Kim looks at Kanye during this conversation about modesty. You know, she's thrown out there. So you're not okay with me wearing tight dresses anymore. And he says something that is so profound, yet I think is going to go right over the head of most of the audience listening to this back and forth on the show, Keeping Up With The Kardashians. He looks at Kim with regard to this conversation around modesty, and he's basically saying, okay, I had this rapper perspective that I needed to show my girl off. But now he's saying it's affecting my soul and my spirit. And he says, as someone that is married, that is loved and that is a father, he sees that now is problematic. And I just thought that that was such an awesome testimony that he's talking about having a soul. He's talking about his spirit. He's talking about things from the perspective of a married man, someone who is loved. And I don't think he's just talking about loved by his wife. He's also talking about being loved by God, which is pretty cool. And by who someone is also a father that he shouldn't be encouraging the mother of, I think they have four children now, four children to be dressing like this. And oh gosh, I was shocked, you know, during the video, different images of Kim Kardashian are popping up on the screen. Oh, I had seen some inappropriate uh, kind of outfits of Kim, but that's heartbreaking to see how she's dressed. I can't imagine dressing the way Kim Kardashian dresses. And all of a sudden there's this massive conversion. You're on national television and your husband suddenly telling you that he's not okay with the way you're dressing, kudos to Kim. She could have gotten a heck of a lot more upset. Maybe you two have when someone's called you out for how you've dressed. I have to tell you, modesty is one of those topics I really hate covering. It's uh, I'll cover it. But modesty it has to do with uh, conversion that's taking place on our, in our own hearts. And the reality is, is that all of us are in the process of conversion. Our conversion will not be complete until we are constantly in that state of grace before our heavenly father, because we have a sinful human nature and we're constantly battling our own struggles, our own demons, whatever it might be. We're having to weed out ways of life that we had been following for quite some time. And so Kim at one point looks at Kanye and says, you built me up to be sexy and to be confident. And I thought that that was that moment where that poor girl is then saying, I'm not where you are just because you're on a journey. I'm not there. And it was funny because I think at one point, I can't remember during the exchange if she said like, I'm not there yet or whatever it was that she said, but you could tell there was more she wanted to say. And she was really carefully trying to think through what she was saying. And I think that's because she has a huge level of respect for where Kanye is, yet at the same time, she's having to be honest. You asked me to dress this way. This was your expectation of me. 
And yeah, I'm the wife of you. I'm the mother of your children. Um, She's recognizing that he loves her, but she's not there yet. And what stood out to me when she says, look, you built me up, kind of, you built me up to be sexy and to be confident. This is kind of a message for anyone, too, who is married. You know, sometimes we build up the things we want to see in the other person. But then years later, maybe you're going through a conversion. Maybe you recognize, okay, something I did or something I said or something I encouraged was wrong. And you don't have to be married to understand this. Maybe you were a teacher. Maybe you taught something that wasn't right. Maybe you set a bad influence on someone. That's clearly something that Kanye has done for a number of years, and he's beginning to try to rectify it. But sometimes you can't expect, whether it's, you know, a friend, a family member, to be right where you're at right away. You're going through this conversion, but they're not there yet. And that's the message that Kim has for Kanye. Again, my kudos to her. I have a lot of respect for the dialogue that occurred between the two of them. And, you know, I know people are going to write in saying, well, let's talk about modesty. Let's talk about guidelines. Let's talk about how low that neckline should be and, you know, how long those dresses and outfits should be. I will be the first to admit there is a modesty problem in our culture. It is ripping away at really the identity, especially of young women. They think that they have to be confident only by looking sexy. And that's a challenge for so many girls. I mean, I get it. It's hard to find a dress that's a decent length today. And sometimes I have to think, okay, is this a dress that I can wear at home and maybe to the beach and if I'm out running errands? Or is this a dress that I can wear to church and uh, wear to speak at an event and, you know, wear around these certain groups of people? That's how hard it can be to find certain types of clothing that you literally want to buy a beautiful dress that isn't horribly immodest at all, but certainly isn't appropriate given the context of where you're going to be. And so here are kind of some of the things that I like to talk about when discussing the topic of modesty. There's a time and a place to dress in certain ways. You know, I wouldn't wear the same thing to Sunday mass that I would wear to the beach on Friday night. I wouldn't wear necessarily the same exact part of my outfit to a wedding reception as I would to, let's say, the wedding mass. You know, maybe I have a shawl wrapped around me during the wedding reception. Not that you're showing a ton of cleavage, but there's, you know, a level of respect and honor for going to mass, for keeping our focus on the Lord, Um, that I'm not trying to show off my body during mass. I'm not, you know, creating a distraction for someone else during mass. Uh, There's so much to the topic of modesty, but again, it also starts with context. Where are you? I think another part of the modesty topic is dressing up for the occasion where you're at. You know, it used to be that someone would go to see a ballet or a play and they would dress really nice. I remember kind of seeing the change in this because I grew up dancing. You know, I danced, performed many, many times, hundreds of times in the Nutcracker and we'd have performances throughout the year and we'd have friends and family who would come to the shows. And I remember over the years, I begin to see in general, the auditorium used to be filled with people who were dressed absolutely exquisitely, like they were going to a banquet. It was incredible, beautiful thing to see. Uh, you know, there was even this element of a culture of honor, you know, As a performer, you know, friends and family, they'd give you flowers or gifts because they were proud of you, just trying to support you. And as the years went on, you'd start to see less and less people in the audience dressing up to honor the occasion. Uh, And it stood out to me because we've lost our ability to dress well. We've kind of just allowed our fashion to become very mundane. And I don't know, maybe living in Southern California, outright ugly at times. I'm talking about the clothing, but are we dressing up for the occasion? 
can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hello, hello. A message from our sponsor, Solidary HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose a doctor that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatment are eligible. Did I mention that? Alternative medical treatments. Solidarity is the only healthcare sharing ministry that actually shares in expenses associated not only with natural family planning, but NAPRO technology. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. For more information, visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. Again, that's SolidarityHealthShare.org. So I wanted to talk today about David Delayden and this trial. And this is a historic trial, you guys. If you don't remember, back in the early 2000s, there was a huge expose on this essentially the selling, but really the big deal was the experimentation taking place on aborted babies. And I'm going to get a little bit into that later on, talk about why David Delayden decided to do the work he is doing undercover. And now, and here he is, there's this major trial in California. He's facing major penalties surrounding the RICO Act. And this man is truly sacrificing everything to stand up, not only for these babies who are becoming experiments for research, but for the women who are being exploited, who are being targeted for their children for scientific experimentation. So we're going to be talking about that coming up in the show. I hope you don't go away because there is a real struggle right now going on within the church, a power struggle, uh, confusion surrounding catechesis. Uh, there's a struggle within our hearts uh, to have this control, uh, the struggle surrounding materialism. So we're going to be talking about this homily by St. Gregory the Great from many years ago where he's talking about the issue of materialism and I'm not just talking physical materialism but even that matter those things and ideas which we're attached to it might even be you know looking at the news too much so we'll be discussing that and more coming up here on trending so David Delayden's in the midst of this major trial. Planned Parenthood has been going on record along with various fetal tissue procurement organizations, and they have been digging their own grave. I pray for the judge. I pray for the jurors. I pray for all of those people who have worked with Planned Parenthood and have been involved in this entire scheme that the truth comes out, that they continue to show how deep the grave is that they have been creating for years before a child is even conceived, how they have had the intention of killing that baby. This is how bad it is. We're going to be talking about that right now. So what's interesting is that they put multiple people up on the stand and we're able to piece together based on the information who's who based on the information that comes out during their testimony. But it's been very clear that Planned Parenthood knows within their own community, the illegal and unethical side of what they're doing. And they have come out on the stand, Planned Parenthood employees saying that they have had a don't ask, don't tell policy again about quote, illegal and unethical things that they are doing within their doors. Don't ask, don't tell policy. Well, what are they not asking, not telling about? 
about the selling of aborted baby parts. That's the only thing that we're talking about predominantly during this trial, but there is so much more that they don't ask and they don't tell about. I'm thinking about the undercover investigations by live action and how live action has gone in undercover you guys seeing that Planned Parenthood has not only been willing to cover up sex ring operations of minors who are being sexually trafficked who abortions are being obtained illegally for these kids with government money might I add when these abortion clinic workers should be reporting sexual abuse cases of minors they're not so we already know that Planned Parenthood's doing this we've also seen you may remember I think it was about five years ago, this other story came out where live action went in undercover. And this one was so heinous. We saw that the Planned Parenthood workers were actually advising teenagers, minors, on how to engage in very illicit sexual acts, role play, um, abusive sexual engagement. This is what Planned Parenthood was doing. The videos were so horrific, I had a hard time watching. And there were a lot of people who not only refused to watch this undercover investigation, showing all the role play and just the masochistic, disgusting advice that Planned Parenthood was giving, but people who also refused to even believe that it was true. So it's one thing to say, okay, I can't handle watching that. But it's another thing to say, because it's so disgusting, I don't think it's true. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Timory here, we're talking about the case of David Delayden. So all of these things have been exposed about Planned Parenthood over the years. And I hope some of that eventually ends up coming out during the trial. That would just be incredible because some of these same people have been involved. But what continues to come out during the testimonies and as these people are on trial is an abortionist testifies about the fetal tissue procurement companies. Uh, the abortionist even goes so far as to mention that there was a very, quote, high demand for the liver of babies, for the kidney of babies, and for the intestines, that they had a very high demand placed not only on the abortionists, but all of the staff there at Planned Parenthood. And it wasn't just a high demand for babies that were already aborted. It was a high demand for specific gestational ages, how far along in the pregnancy that woman is and how developed that baby is. And remember, they want these body parts intact. So then there's the senior Planned Parenthood official. She's discussing in a video, quote, how less crunchy techniques, end quote, were some of the things that they had to use so that, let me go back to that word that she said, things weren't being crunched. Because certain types of abortions, let me think, tear apart a human life, a baby. And so they were trying to find less crunchy techniques so they could get, quote, whole specimens. This is what came out of the mouth of people such as Dr. Mary Gatter. Dr. Mary Gatter, you may recall a number of years ago now, I can't believe how long it's been already, uh, when she was caught on video during a conversation at a restaurant and she was sitting there and she may have been joking. Sure, give her the credit. Let's say that Dr. Mary Gatter's joking and making a joke about wanting a Lamborghini. Either way, the fact that she was making a joke or whether she was serious about wanting a Lamborghini, she said it in the midst of negotiations about how much they would be receiving as compensation for purchasing of aborted baby parts. 
for scientific research, whatever it is, either way, it's wrong. It's illegal in this country. It has been for years. And that's what came out in the expose of the early 2000s. In fact, it was covered during a 2020 documentary as well that is a huge part of what inspired David Daleiden to do what he does today. So we'll talk about that a little later on. What's interesting is, is if you follow kind of the trail of the different people who have been involved over the years in this whole scheme surrounding aborted baby parts, it is absolutely fascinating because a bunch of the people who had been working for Planned Parenthood during the recording of the videos that David Daleiden, the Center for Medical Progress, had really revealed most of these people have completely left the organization let's mention number one she left she abandoned ship she got out long before this trial set in that's the president and former ceo cecil richards so not only did the president and ceo leave who was involved in all of this we saw the executive vice president leave we saw the vice president of abortion access leave we saw the chief medical officer leave that's a deborah nukatola who had been involved and actually had become friends with David Daleiden during his undercover work. And by the way, I, I always have to mention this when I think about Deb Nicotola is David Daleiden, I remember him mentioning not long after the story came out, he had actually developed a friendship with Deb and he called people to have respect for her as a person which I get, that can actually be really difficult to have. You know, you look at this woman who was involved in the illegal selling of aborted baby parts involved in abortion yet david delighted who was in the midst of it i mean going in undercover literally seeing these babies body parts that were ripped apart he was still able to have respect for the people as a person that he was interacting with i remember he has this hope that she will have a massive conversion i don't know where she is i know that she left planned parenthood along with cecil richards and another number of other people but let me run through this list just a little bit more not only did the medical director leave the vp of abortion access I and mean, i could go on and on just a few of the other people that left let's see the vice president medical directors of rocky mountain of uh, gulf coast and multiple other areas who were caught being associated with people or who were actually in the videos that were released by the Center for Medical Progress. You saw the directors of abortion services leave. You saw medical advisors leave, senior medical advisors leave Planned Parenthood. And there is a reason that the higher up staff, not only of Planned Parenthood as the organization overall, but even over the local affiliates were dropping and jumping from that ship because they were in trouble. They had been involved in the illegal selling of aborted baby parts. They had been involved in advising people to alter the abortion procedure so that babies would be aborted alive because it came out that there had to be some of these children were being aborted and born alive in order for those babies' body parts to be harvested intact. And so this is what I wanted to come to. David Daleiden, when he was working for live action before he started the Center for Medical Progress and before he went undercover, had seen a 2020 documentary uh, back dating back to 2000. And it was talking about this tissue procurement that was taking place. And it talks about the testimony of Dean Alberti. And Dean Alberti was one of those procurement specialists. And Dean ended up testifying that at one point, there was a two babies, 24-week twin babies, and he said that they wanted him to harvest the baby's organs from that baby while the baby was still living. 
We'll come right back on trending and I'll tell you what he said. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Timory here. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I'm sharing with you a little bit of the update from the David Daleiden trial, Center for Medical Progress. And, you know, years ago now, I think about four or five years almost now, they exposed what was happening inside the abortion clinics and how abortion procedures were being manipulated in order to produce specimens, as they call them, livers, organs, brains of babies so that different institutions, you know, I know UCSD, UCLA, uh, schools in San Francisco, all over the United States can then experiment on children. So what came out uh, in some of the articles was also why David Delighton decided to do what he did. And I mentioned that when he was working with Live Action, he saw this 2020 documentary that had come out in 2000. Some of you who've been doing pro-life work for a number of years may remember this. I remember when I was just a little girl sitting in my grandmother's house uh, with my parents as it was actually airing live on television. And so it's no surprise, we've known for years that Planned Parenthood has been not only giving aborted baby parts for scientific research, but they've been profiting from it and selling these babies, and they've been manipulating the types of abortions they're doing. So David sees this testimony of Dean Alberti, and Dean Alberti was one of those tissue procurement individuals. And we understand that Dean Alberti would actually work within the abortion clinic to essentially get these babies that were necessary. And so at one point he testifies that there were twins. They were 24 weeks old and they were living. And Aberdeen said no to harvesting living baby body organs. So what did the abortionists do? So they deliver the baby, the baby's alive. Alberti's refusing to harvest the aborted baby's parts. So the abortionists drowned them in a pan. He drowned these two babies 24 weeks, 24 weeks old, you guys. In some hospitals, those babies' lives are being fought for in the NICU ward. Maybe you've experienced going into labor early and you had a preemie child. Those babies, two precious twins, were aborted alive, living and that doctor told that procurement specialist, Dean Alberti, that he needed to operate on these babies to harvest their organs. So in other words, kill them as he harvests perfect organs for scientific research. He says no. It went too far. He couldn't do it. And so the abortionist, as sick and twisted as that man was in this action, drowned those babies in a pan. This is horrific. Can you imagine seeing this? This is what inspired David Delighton to go in undercover and further expose what Planned Parenthood has been doing, what the abortion movement overall, not just here in the United States, worldwide has been involved in. It's unacceptable. And this is what's so chilling to me is that as a movement, I'm seeing right now there's so much silence among pro-lifers. There's so much apathy Some people are tired. They're tired of going out in front of the abortion clinic. They're tired of giving up a Saturday morning. They're tired of having those conversations yet again with friends and family members at the dinner table coming up at holidays. So what? 
these are two babies, 24 weeks old, that were drowned in a pan by an abortionist because uh, someone who was there would not harvest organs of a baby alive. This is what we are up against. It is ugly. It's horrific. So my question for you is this. What has you so attached to it that you're not willing to speak up? You're not willing to do more. I know there are some of you who are doing a tremendous amount. And for some of you, you need to take more of a rest. You need to take care of yourself. I'm not asking you not to live life. But what I am asking you to do is what can you sacrifice? And, you know, as this trial is going on, we have the Amazon Synod and the craziness and confusion that has been surrounding that and some of the events and naked idols. You know, who knows what some of this stuff is? There's so much confusion. What's keeping you from knowing your faith? From going out in front of the abortion clinic on Saturday, just pray for 15 minutes. Pray your rosary. Okay, you don't want to go in front of the abortion clinic. Get down on your knees and pray at home. Go to daily mass. Offer it for women who are in crisis pregnancy. Use your time, talent, and treasures we're called to. What's keeping you back from giving? So what I want to talk about, you know, we see these stickers all the time. You might see the not of this world sticker on the back bumper. What does that mean for us as Catholics? Do we even kind of pull back to think, what is pulling me into this world? Do you have enough reflective time to even ponder that? Do you yourself maybe in life feel pulled in different directions? You're convicted by the abortion issue. You're convicted by what's going on within the schools to young children. Yet you're confused. You don't know how you can help. You lack direction. You're longing for what to do next. You're having a difficulty maybe in your own life feeling satisfied. So you might not even be at the point where you really feel compelled to do something about what's going on in society. You're just frustrated because you're not happy. Well, I think some of the words of St. Gregory the Great might be beneficial here. So I was reading from the Divine Office, Office of Readings, and there is this homily there for some of the feast days of the saints that is offered as a reading. And at one point, St. Gregory the Great, in talking about being detached from the world, talks about whatever things there are, whatever it might be, whatever material things, don't let them possess you. You must not let them possess you. Whatever you own, he says, must be under the power of your soul. And so what he's saying is that those material desires, those material things we have should not come above our soul, should not come above our ability to reason. I don't know, maybe it's sexual intimacy that you're chasing after you or having a hard time controlling yourself. Maybe it's that new car. Maybe it's just, you know, the obsession you might have with always having to have your hair done perfectly. Maybe it's a new clothes. Maybe it's that latest gadget. Maybe it's the latest iPhone. Or whatever thing it is for you. Do you know what that is? St. Gregory the Great's talking about how we cannot allow those things to possess us and be above our own souls. We live here, especially in the United States, at a time where materialism is so common. And I think that that is what has really bred the pathway for relativism, where we justify anything goes, everything's okay, because we're so materialistic. We want our car, our home. We want things the way that we think they should be done. We want our own power. Yet how has have those things in their power that we think make us feel good? How have they taken power over us? At one point he talks about, are you overpowered by the love of this world's goods? And paraphrasing here, he says, "If if so, you will be totally at the mercy of possessions in this world. 
Again, are you overpowered by the love of this world's goods? Because if you are, you are going to be at the mercy of the possessions in this world. I think that those who have been taking the stand for Planned Parenthood have been in possession of an ideology within this world that justifies abortion. The power that the abortion industry holds the power the abortion industry wants, whether it's for population control, whether it's for quote unquote women's access to health care and college and university and being involved in the workforce, whatever it is, they've taken these ideas as quote unquote empowerment, whether for themselves or for other people. And they're saying that this power that abortion has, this type of lifestyle is above my soul, above the eternal reality of what I'm made for. And so at one point, St. Gregory the Great is talking about how we have material goods and we're supposed to make use of them, but set these things in our hearts in the context of our eternal reality. You guys, our iPhones, and some of you may say, oh, I don't have an iPhone. Okay, whatever phone it is, your computer, that piece of technology you really want for the house, whatever it is, they're tools, they're things that help us in our life. We have to set our hearts on what is eternal. We have to set our hearts on a goal. Even at one point, St. Gregory the Great is talking about how we need to just only when looking at the things of this world to only have a side glance at all that happens in the world. He says this, give no more than a side glance at all that happens in the world. This one's a hard one. Man, there's so much going on. You know, even the story with Kanye West, even the the serial I mentioned earlier and how it's promoting this LGBTQ type of lifestyle to children. Everything is going on with the trial of David Daleiden. One, you have to remember, it's okay to pull back. You don't have to know all of the information. We do need to know a lot. We need to be able to engage in the conversation. But you don't have to follow obsessively to the point where you're losing hope. Because the reality is, if we take this quote seriously by St. Gregory the Great, where he says, give no more than a side glance at all that happens in the world. Give no more than a side glance at that new piece of clothing you really want, that new piece of technology. Give no more than a side glance at this new heartbreaking and horrific story coming out. I think what we need to think about here is we're acknowledging that these things are happening. We're acknowledging that we need to fight against them, but we're looking at it with a side glance because our eyes are locked on heaven. They're locked on what is eternal. And no matter what happens in this world, we are not going to be shaken by it. That's what St. Gregory the Great is talking about. He's not only talking about not being attached to material things. He's saying, you need to set your eyes on the, on the immaterial, on what is eternal. Focus your attention on what orients you toward your goal. Do you know what your goal is? Is it to be in the presence of the Trinity? Because our life isn't just about being here on earth. We're called to live the best life possible on earth, to be in a state of grace. Do you know that you can be a saint right here, right now? St. Gregory the Great says the eyes of our soul are to be focused on what's right ahead to be focused on our goal of eternal life. That's what we're being called to. And he says, I'm not going to ask you, he says this at the beginning of his preaching, I'm not going to ask you to give up everything, although I'd like to. But he's asking us, have our goal in mind. Have what's right. Fight for what is right. This 
Davis has been trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 